0: everybody, this is Mr. Holman, Ronnie Holman, right here on the campus of John Adams College and Career Academy, and today we have a very special guest, none other than Judge Michael Ryan, and we're just going to jump to it and and get to the questions. My name is de Daymarian? De yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. My question
1: is, what made you want to become a judge? DeMarion asked me, what made me want to become a judge? You know, I actually went to uh, Allegheny College with the intent on becoming a teacher. Um, And it was because school was the one place that had been um, the safest place for me. Uh, The place where, uh, you know, I could, uh, I could win. I had been losing in every area, losing when it came to having, you know, the best parents, losing when it came to living in, you know, um, uh, the best environments. I've been losing when it came to, you know, nice clothes and so forth. But in school, I could win because I controlled what happened. I controlled if I got an A on the test because I could study anywhere, under any conditions. I control who I associated with. Um, I control my behavior. And so, you know, that was major for me. So I controlled that. You know, the other stuff I didn't. I just prayed about that. Um, So I I wanted to have that same impact on on other people. And uh, I went to Allegheny College because they had a program there where you can get your master's degree in education and your teacher certificate all in five years. Normally it would take you six years to do it. Uh, and I said, okay, yeah, this is the best place for me. But when I arrived at Allegheny, they actually, um, terminated the program. And so I was going to leave and my advisor said, don't leave yet. Go take some more classes and see if you find something else that you'd be interested in. I mean, I like I I love the school because it was small and it was out the way. uh, And I knew I wouldn't be distracted by partying and so forth. And um, I took this class called Civil Liberties. And it was, you know, it was U.S. government that we get in high school and, you, and American history on steroids. OK. And the professor looked like somebody who had been born in uh, the 1700s. All right. <laughs> but he he explained the Constitution and the bill of rights in a in in a much more in-depth way than i had ever experienced in high school and um so i came into college uh and into into life because of all my family situations about law like no there's no way i want to be a lawyer at all Mm -mm. that's the last thing um that i would ever do because i saw what the law did took my family members away okay uh, and he changed my whole perspective about what the law does. I didn't, I didn't see the law as something that hurt people anymore. I saw the law as something that helped them. And so that's the reason why I wanted to become an attorney. And then from an attorney to becoming a judge, because a judge controls everything. A lawyer, you just advocate for one side. So, uh, I got one more question. Sure. What advice do you have? To the younger generation that go through legal troubles well one is don't go don't get into trouble
0: okay <laughs> That's his, his question one. his question y'all was what advice do you have for people who have gotten into legal trouble what advice do judge ryan have
1: um number two is if you've gotten into legal trouble in, in the past one you've got to change your environment okay because a lot of times, especially, you know, having been a juvenile court judge, what I saw is that, you know, most young people weren't committing offenses by themselves. They were in a group. OK. And they allow peer peer pressure to um, convince them that this is right. OK. And so they find themselves before the court. And now you are letting somebody else dictate your life. <laughs> um, so. You know be mindful for who you associate with all right my wife said says this to my kids and i used to say it when i was at juvenile court as well the choices you make can cost you your life and then i added cost you the life that you envision okay the life that you envision beyond high school or beyond college you know you think you know, you want to become this Profession. You may want to become a doctor, an attorney, a teacher um, you, or an entrepreneur. And you've made choices at when you were young that puts hurdles in front of you. You may think, well, don't they expunge everything in juvenile? No, they don't. OK, you commit murder. That doesn't come off your record. You commit uh, an offense like rape does not come off your record. Well, those two cannot. The other ones are, how I put this, at the discretion of the judge. So it's not mandatory. Okay, the judge can decide based on your record that this particular uh, action is not one that is expungible, and you might have the prosecutor who will oppose your motion to have your cases expunged. Okay, so you've got to be cautious of it, and also. Everybody in here is 14, right? Is anybody younger than 14? Everybody's 14 and older. So what that means, because you're 14 and older, if you are alleged to have committed a felony offense as as low as receiving stolen property, you make yourself eligible to be bound over and then tried as an adult. Yes. At 14, if you're charged with a felony you you make yourself eligible to be bound over to be tried as an adult, and if you are tried as an adult and convicted as an adult, even though you are still a minor, that particular offense is not depending on what type of it, type it is is not um, expungible.
2: Nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too, Zach.
2: You no know, representation, good and stuff. You know, like being a like judge. That's good to see. You feel me? But I just, I just want to ask: Is it like anything you think you can help in the community? To help us, like get it, make it easier for us to go that route instead of
3: choosing another route.
1: I know some of the things that I have, I've start. He asked me. He said it's, it's nice to have you know representation in the commu- in my position and other positions, uh, individuals who are. Um, black uh but what things can you know have i done or what can i do in the community to ensure that that path is open for young people like for zach um i know that i've been somebody who comes back so one being present i think is important because there are other individuals who are like me who don't come back to the community and you only see them driving their cars or showing off their houses or, you know, their their attire and not being responsive to what, you know, the the young people need. Um, I was a part of the 3Rs program through the Bar Association. So what we did there is that we went into the schools and we taught about civics, so the government and rights and responsibilities that young people have when it comes to um, law enforcement. Um, I've been a part of different programs within our court. I was the re-entry judge for juvenile court for Cuyahoga County, and I wanted that as a way of giving young people who made mistakes an opportunity to turn things around, giving them services that um, were vital to, to make sure that they wouldn't make that same mistake again. So we made sure that if they did not have their education when they were leaving the facilities like ODYS or they were in a community corrective facility um, that they had the opportunity when they came home. We tightly monitor them. So brought them back to court at least um, twice a month. Uh, we connected them with mentors from the city of Cleveland. But we also gave them jobs as well, teaching them responsibility. So this is as a way to say, hey, we, we know we understand your kids. You're malleable you're, There's a way for you to change um, And so we want to give you This opportunity so that I can see you on the other side I'm someone who always was encouraging To young people to say Hey um, yeah you made this mistake But this mistake won't prevent you From one day sitting where I am Like I was telling Is it Damarion or D What's what's your name Damarion De Damarion De Um you know about offenses when you get an offense in juvenile court you actually if you go and fill out an application you don't have to write that you were convicted of a felony because you weren't you were found delinquent okay there's a difference between what happens in juvenile court and what happens in the adult court and so you can you can use that as a, as a stepping stone for you to say yeah I made a mistake but I still have options that are available for me. And so I go out and educate as well. I do preventative work. Uh, I've been going around uh, the different schools or going to community um, events and talking about what things can make it um, can can bring you to the court that you think are innocent. okay, innocent activities so that people are aware, because a lot of times it's a lack of knowledge that gets us into into trouble. okay. so I I'm, I'm doing all those things I have allowed young people to be interns in my court so they get a chance to see how the legal process works from the from the bench uh, and they get paid to do it as well. Um so there's a there's a number of things that I've done in the community wherein um I'm opening up opportunities for for young people to to get where
2: I am. All right. Eh. You know, being young and being around all that stuff, like, how do you stay focused on what you want to do instead of like falling into that? Because it's easy. Like,
0: Zach, Zach just asked, how did Judge Ryan stay focused on what he wanted to do and not fall into the traps of all the negative stuff around
1: him? Yeah, um, that was hard um, because I had friends who were—I mean, they didn't call it hitting a lick back then—but they were committing robberies. Um, they were selling drugs. My uncle told me, you're going to sell drugs. You, you're going to sell it. You're going to sell drugs. And it's n- no question about it. I stood up to him. I said, I'm not doing it. So even if I had, if he was going to beat me down, no, I didn't care. He was going to have to kill me because I wasn't going to do it. Why? Because I saw the consequences, the results of engaging in illegal behavior. My, my my stepdad, he was already in prison. When he got out of prison, you know, he actually led a clean life after he got out of prison that time. Um, but my uncle who told me I was going to sell drugs, he was in, he was going, he had went to, uh, to prison. I had cousins who were in ODYS. It wasn't called ODYS back then, how to Department You Services was called something else. But I went to go visit them. You know, I, I didn't want that life. You know, i didn't want people telling me what to do 24 7 so i found another focus sports my um my schoolwork was those two things were major for me and um my and religion i had those three things and so those three things kept me narrowly focused and be able to avoid the distractions i didn't care if they called me You know, lame or whatever. That didn't bother me. Call me lame today. Soon somebody's gonna call me a high school graduate, college graduate. I didn't know about law school or anything about that, but I was like, I'm gonna graduate from college. You can call me lame. Okay, call me lame. You can call me, you know, boring. All of
0: those things, but uh, I got other names for myself. And so that's what that's what I did so uh i'm i'm gonna while the next question gets ready to come i'm gonna ask uh judge ryan a question so how hard is it when when you're on the bench and you see a young person come up and uh they look they look like you can help them but you have to obey the law and give them a charge or find them guilty or something how hard is that It could be,
1: um, it's hard for me because a lot of the times the young people are coming before me are coming from the same neighborhoods that I grew up in. Um, They're coming from the same type of family situations that uh, I uh, experienced. And, And so, you know, I took an oath as a judge to follow the law. And that's what I have to do. Um, now that we have the ability to look through the lens you know our lens could be different than some other people who don't have the same type of experiences and so you know that's that's the way that you know I, I'm different um, at juvenile court we had a lot of discretion a lot of discretion meaning that we could make decisions even after we found someone delinquent with respect to how we are going to help re- rehabilitate this kid, because that's what juvenile court was was built on, you know, changing young people who had what they call or uh, wayward, kids who were had gotten out of line of how youth is supposed to uh, behave. And so, you know, that was the first thing that I'm thinking is, how do I um, effectively... Uh, Change this person's trajectory away from, you know, one is prison or a grave and on to, you know, something more positive. And, you know, sometimes it depends on the kid, Uh, depends on the type of offense that they're found delinquent Uh, in terms of what type of um, I don't even call it punishment, what type of rehabilitation work I was going to impose. Sometimes it was committing a kid to ODYS the prison system for young people. Sometimes it was something committing them to a community correction facility, which is lower, or the residential treatment, which is lower, or sending them home on probation. Or, there were times when I found a kid delinquent, I just let them go. It, it depended on the type of offense and also depended on, like I said, the uh, the, the situation. So I, I really enjoyed uh, being a juvenile court because you have so much power to be able to make effective change in young people's lives. And I took, I took full advantage of it. I knew what the law was. I knew what I could do and what I could not do. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of, um, people in that position understand the power that they have to really make changes in young people's lives. So, I you know, I took advantage of that. Um, and, I hope that, you know, uh, what I did was impactful and helpful to y'all, a lot of young people. And there were times when young people had been in my court, they would come back to me and I see them out in the community and they were like, thank you, judge. Either one, because I, I, I didn't, you know, come down hard because I didn't think it was necessary based on the situation or I did have to, but they said, what you did saved my life. You know, giving me a time out from the community saved my life, and I tell people when I do that, is that I'm saving you from the adult court. Because I tell I told young people all the time, I said they don't play fair downtown at the county and the and the general division and juvenile court. We give you opportunities to change, and it's up to you to take advantage of those. Thank you. I'm going to talk to Hi, you. my name is Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Oh my sister Actually um, Is A social worker by Trade but she um, She went to college uh, And in fact my sister has You know amazing story of her own In spite of I mean In addition to some of the things that we went through She was a teen mom She got pregnant with my niece When um, She might not want me to tell this And um, despite that, you know, she graduated from Heights, just like I did with two years later, went on to Eastern Michigan University, graduated from Eastern Michigan University, has her master's in uh, education. And she's actually the um, is that what's her position? Uh, Director, family, uh, family support specialist for Say Yes, Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, prior to that, she had been a supervisor for the v- Division of Children and Family Services, both here in Cuyahoga County and Franklin County. So we both, you know, decided to go into public service. And I think for me and maybe for my sister as well, you know, we are our, our motto is to whom much is given, much is required. So we give back as much as we can.
2: How you doing? My name is Shamar. Nice to meet you, Shamar. Nice to meet you, Sue. My question to you is, if you hadn't experienced the childhood that you had, have you? St- would you have still thought about writing a book?
1: Probably not. Um, I think that, you know, what I went through was intentional. Um, and if I had to do it all over again, I, I'm not sure that I would want to. Because I have so many memories, and there's just so much that I, you know, I, I experienced that I wouldn't want another kid to have to go through that. And I think, you know, part of why I worked so hard is because I didn't want my kids to have to um, be challenged like I was when I was younger. You know, um, my son Michael, my daughter Lauren, they don't know. I mean, they know because I've told the story so often. But they don't personally know, you know, what, what you know, I, I went through or what my sister and I went through. They, they wouldn't um, because I wanted them to be, you know, uh, uh, steered away from that. I wanted them to have opportunities that I didn't so that they could be propelled even beyond, you know, what, what I was able to accomplish. So, you know, my daughter is, I mean, she has her master's degree. She works at a college and she's the director of career services. My son is a high school, I mean, college graduate, um, is a state champion and he played basketball. Um, he uh, works for New York Life, you know, and they, they don't have those 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 memories like like I do. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't, I, you know what I went through, it made me who I am today. And if, you know, and, and it was, I guess it was purposeful. It was intentional. And I'm here. Um, you know, I'm going to say, um, as a a representative of, you know, no matter what challenges that you face, you can overcome those. And if I have to be the example for that, the motivating, uh, inspiring factor for people, then so, and, you know, that's what I'll do. um, because, you know, like I said, I, I don't want kids to have to go through that. And part of my time at Children and Family Service—I mean, at the court—I had to make those decisions on whether or not kids who were experiencing some of the same things I did stayed in their homes, or did I, or should I put them in places like where I was living with my st- my step-grandmother, giving them opportunities to to really to really blossom. Um, and, and so I had to make those choices And a lot of times I was like Man knows that's the same type of situation I was in um, And can I give this kid a, a different outcome By putting them in a better place And you know I would do that
0: Now I know you were saying Basically by growing up in the inner city You had to do what you had to do But explain to them how You used the inner city Your rough neighborhood How did you use that for something positive to be where you are today?
1: Ooh, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that question. Uh, You know, I developed some good friendships with uh, folks that live down the way. Uh, Even to this day, you know, those those are my friends. Um, And it's about trust. It's about understanding that all of us are going through the same thing. Um, In terms of uh, Not having the best homes Not having you know know, The best financial situations um, But also realizing that We can't be We can't um, Succumb to what The society says that we have to Have to that You know our only way out is Either through sports Or through music Or through slinging You know selling drugs Or through robbing You know stealing That's the only way You know there's There's a group of us That said that That's not our mindset We we can find A different way Of being able to um, You know collaborate And say that We're going to do things Differently than What we see other uh, What people Believe that You know We're supposed to do Because that's what it is society says okay you come from that environment that's all you're capable of doing okay you won't go beyond that you won't be go beyond having you know a nine to five job you can't become a professional uh like a teacher or um or or a lawyer or a doctor you're resigned to this um this type of um of life and you know we just refuse to do it um you know I made sure that, like I said, in terms of associations, I I knew who within my neighborhood wanted something more than where we were. Okay, Wanted to be something different. Um, So that um, also you got to be resilient when you're living in the hood. Okay, you you have to uh, know that there are going to be hard times. And as long as you're able to survive that, you know that, hey, um, I can accomplish almost anything. you got to use that as almost as a springboard to say, if I can get through this here, you know, other challenges that I may face when, you know, outside the hood won't be a problem for me. And, you know, you know, that's a part of what I did. I said, hey, I can overcome all the things that I'm experiencing with my parents, not eating. Um, with you know the fights that I got into. I can overcome that, then there's there's nothing there's not much that I cannot do. So you gotta have that mindset. The hood will make you or break you.
2: That's a great answer.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that. So I just wanted to know, do you have any
2: good memories with your mom besides her holding
0: Yeah, um Solomon asked. Uh, does Judge Ryan have any good memories of his mom besides holding him? I have, you know, and it's unfortunate that
1: sometimes the, the bad memories, you know, you remember those. Um, you know, my wife was saying this too. And when she said, that, I was like, you know, you're right. You remember those more sometimes than the good ones because those stand out. But um, I have, uh, you know, several memories when I was um, in kindergarten. And, um, my mom, they had some kind of, uh, dance and it was like a rodeo. Well, no, what was that? What they call it? Square dancing. And so my mom, you know, took me to that. Um, I have a memory of one time, actually, you know, it was, kidding, well, I don't want to say necessarily bad and good. She, uh, was high. I mean, she was high as a kite and I just wanted to go outside and play catch and um i had this raggedy uh glove and she was out there trying to throw the ball to me i mean i I know she was out she was high out of her mind and but she she went out and did that um one time when i was in it was fifth grade and fifth grade i received straight a's all all year first second third fourth uh grading periods and so you know i was supposed to get a lot of awards at the end of the year and i told my mom and my stepdad that you know uh, about the award ceremony and they were the only parents that came um they were both high though when they came but they were the only parents that came (laughs) so you know those you know those memories um stand out for me um There were times in between when my mom wasn't high and, um, or beat up where, you know, I, you know, I try to hold on to those. Um, but, you know, those three are pretty, um, pretty good.
0: Thank you for that. Thanks, Solomon.
3: My name is Ebony Cole. Nice Nice to meet meet you, you, Miss Cole. Yes, I, uh, First of all, thank you for being open and sharing your story. I know it's not easy. Um, We have a lot of parallels. Oh, really? (laughs) But this ain't about me. So my question is, um, they say that when you can tell your story without crying, that is when you know you have truly healed. The question is, do you agree with that? Or do you disagree with that sentiment? Wow. Um,
1: talk about, you know, my life, my story, and I don't cry. Um, but I still, you know, it's still I still feel it. Um, it's still, I think, uh, emotionally draining on me to talk about it, to relive it. Um but I think that it does help me to continue to talk about I because it is therapeutic. I don't want to say necessarily, you know, healing, but at least I'm talking about it and I know that it's gonna help somebody else. So the 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 more I do it, um, I can't say the less I cry because, you know, I was crying today and I haven't cried after telling the story in a while. So uh, I mean I, I don't know uh, No I would say I don't know I, I say that I don't think you ever completely heal Um It just gets better You know But it, I don't think you completely heal Cause you know I, I, I haven't seen I haven't had any conversation with my mother For I see I'm 52 you No know, 30 39 years You know Um my grandmother 38 and there are things that i want to i would have wanted to say that i cannot um and so part of me is not here i know you know i had to forgive um you know my sister talked about and she and i talked about that um not just my you know my mom uh, her stepdad i mean my stepdad her dad and my own my own father Now I got a chance to meet him when I was 25.
3: And an attorney. Uh Uh-huh. And an attorney by that time. Yes,
1: yes. And he, you know, I asked him, you know, what happened to you? Where were you? I mean, because he got out of prison, and he was actually living in Longwood, I learned. You know, down, you know, we lived um, uh, in this, it was a parking lot. It was the office in the parking lot, and then our apartment building. He lived close to the office, so he probably saw me running around Longwood and either didn't recognize me or knew me and never said anything. Um, But I had to know that if I don't forgive them, I can't go on with my own life. Um, But I don't think you ever heal uh, completely. But but the more you talk about it, um, the better things get.
3: I'll just follow up. By saying that I agree with that sentiment. Mm. I just thought it was an interesting question that was posed to me at some point. And I heard, mm. uh, I heard it and I thought, wow, well, I guess I'm not healed. Because, you know, when you write your story, right, you relive it like you yes. said. Yes. You know, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's like just stepping right back into the trauma. Yes. You know, you relive that. And so when you stood here and you cried, you know, I cried with you. Because that's triggering. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to think about things that have happened to you, and then that that emotion is still so raw. Yes, it is. And I so agree it's with you. So difficult to not, you know, and you don't ever know when the crying's coming. you, know, you didn't plan to stand here and cry. And I break sure break. didn't. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't ever really know when that's going to happen. But all right, well that that was my question, and thank you for answering. Thank all. you, Miss Cole. Right.
0: Oh, thank you for that.
3: Hi, my name is Marla.
1: Nice to meet you, Marlena.
3: Nice to meet you, too. My question is, as a teenager, and you go on through a lot, how do you come to school and interact with people without taking your pain out on other people? Because a lot of people have a bad habit of they going through stuff, so they take it out on everybody else around them. So how did you split the two in half? It's
0: a good question, Marlena. I take your scene.
3: anger out on other people.
0: Marlena asks, how how did Judge Ryan, when he was in school, how did he keep all his pain on the inside without taking his anger or frustration out on other people around
1: him? Oh, boy. Um, for me, you know, I, I play sports. And so I, I think that was a um, – A a way or mechanism uh, An an avenue for me To let out all of that anger And frustration And anxiety that I had Um, So on a football field I could hit people as hard as I wanted to They may thought It was just a regular tackle But you know I was going through some stuff at home And hey this was a way for me To legally get out That frustration that, That anger, that anxiety I ran track too. You know, I could run as fast as I could to try to find a way to get rid of um, those things that had been uh, cumbersome for me. Um, what else did I do? I, I art. I, I, you know, I was a good artist when I was younger. Not now, I just draw stick people. Um, but back in the day, I, I could really draw. Um, and so I, I found other lawful ways of coping okay and and not um, using as a way of uh, making an excuse to blow up on someone um, and what I tell you know especially young people who you know who are in come through my court and I know that they have those same type of issues and challenges find what you're passionate about okay So uh, a part of my probation, when I put kids on probation. You know, I would ask them, the probation officer, what are they good at? Ask them, "Um, what um, do they like to do? What's their desire? What's their motivation? And now that's going to be my focus for them on community control is that we're going to connect them with whatever their passion is. If they're passionate about music, we're going to try to connect them with uh, somebody who's a, a local producer. Here in the community If, you know, law enforcement Okay, we're going to try to get them involved With um, police Or fire, or emergency if, they're, if, if they like a uh, First responder activities If they Like drawing, we get them involved in that They like using their hands, construction We're going to get them involved in that Something uh, as a way t- To cope and it's, it's Permissible, alright As opposed to just blowing up Again, far too often, you know, kids are in, in juvenile court um, because they they blew up. And there may have been something that's justifiable for that reason, but the law doesn't see it that way. OK. Uh, and, and so that, that, that would be um, my advice, because that, that's what I did. Um, I, I found those those avenues that were permissible. And I redirected, you know, that that negative energy towards something uh, that was positive. Is that good?
0: Thank
2: you. Okay. All right. How you doing, Judge?
1: I'm great. How you doing?
2: All right. So when I define what a hero is, you know, we look at like Marvel Comics and I always identify my father as breaking the circle of violence that was in his household and he never brought it to our household, mm-hmm. meaning... A lot of his brothers and his father and his mom were alcoholics right down the street. And they really abused drinking alcohol. And he seen what it did to his family. Mm-hmm. So he never took part of that. So, he looks, so I look at him as a hero because he broke the circle of violence that was the family dynamic in his, in his generation or from generations on. And he stopped that. So I see the same similar circle of violence that occurred in your family where you had made a stop to what has been so abusive. So what was the one defining factor that allowed you to know that I made it and I'm not going to be the result of what my father did? One thing? That from that point on you said, okay, now now I'm healed and now it's time to move forward. I ran away
1: when I was in California. And, um, I didn't run too far. Uh, I ran underneath the porch. They they thought I ran, you know, somewhere else. But I was under the porch for a good maybe three or four hours. Um and then when I, I, I you know I eventually came out and my mother was like, Well, why'd you do that? You know, I was worried about you. And I said, I don't I don't want to live here anymore. And she said, Why? And I was I said, Because daddy beat you. And I made up in my mind at that point that I was never going to engage in any type of abuse, be it verbal or physical, with anybody that I loved. Be it, you know, my sister, any female, my sister, cousins, my mom, grandmother, definitely, um, you know, uh, any girlfriends. You know, I I just decided at that point, because I was like, you know, it's so violent and it's it's so hurtful for me that I don't even want to see my mom have to experience it anymore I'm definitely not going to engage in that and so I think it was that at that time so I had to be I think six years old and I said that's it I'm never going to do that and my my wife (laughs) you know she she, uh, she grew up in, in an environment where her parents you know they were they, it was verbal um disputes between them and you know on occasion you know some physical but not much not like mine um, but she you know she wasn't accustomed to that she was accustomed to having guys that she yelled and screamed with all the time and argued with a lot and sh- she didn't know how to take me because I just I, I did not like that type of relationship, cursing and you know being demeaning and derogatory towards each other. I was like, I, you know, that's not the type of relationship that I want to have. Um, and so it was hard for her to get a to get used to that and see that that that's not a healthy relationship. This is you know I'm gonna I want to be in a healthy relationship with you. And, and when we have disputes Or we have uh, any kind of beef We need to do it We need to resolve it this way But never, you know get Resulting to violence And and so She said hmm, He's different I mean that's how I uh, convinced her to marry me Because <laughs> she, she hadn't been used to that She had some very Um whatever I want to put this um, a t- tumultuous relationship with other guys and that was just not me because I had experienced that as a kid and I said at six years old I'm not doing it it's not going to be my life so
0: thank you thank you alright well I want to say thank you to Judge Ryan for coming out thank you to All of you that asked questions and that listened in to what Judge Ryan had to say. Hope you guys learned something and got something out of it. So until next time, we'll talk to you. Peace.